Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. If you'd like to wake, make your way in the Bibles to the final book of the Bible, or if you have a device or phone that has the Bible on it, head to Revelation chapter 22, final book, final chapter of the New Testament. And if you want to take notes, there's an outline there for you inside the program. We're finishing up this uh, series. We start a a new series next week on our vision. Uh, Revelation is a vision that was given from Jesus Christ to John and to the church. And we're going to be in the little book of Jude, which is a next-door neighbor to the book of Revelation. And we're going to be hearing what God's vision for us in our day might be and using the book of Jude to help us in the coming weeks. But today we get to... Uh, wrap up this blessed journey with this time this morning in Revelation 22 and then tonight as we hear the whole book of Revelation being read. And I, I have been truly blessed by this journey through Revelation and I know many of you have been blessed too because you've told me. Uh, and I, I pray that, that you have received encouragement from these messages, uh, from the visions, even when they're overwhelming uh, and that, that we've been encouraged that God is revealing, that's what the name of the book is, right? Revealing that he has a good plan, that he has a definite victory over evil, that he has a book that's written, the book written for those who love the Lamb of God and we can have our names in it, right? That God is paying attention to the trials of his people and he's been doing that throughout all all the ages we live in. That God will make all things right in the end. and He won't be mocked or misled. He'll judge rightly and fairly. And today we get the conclusion of this vision from Jesus given to John, given to the churches. And it ties so many things together in Revelation 22. And I, I pray it will for you, whether you've been here for the whole series or maybe for someone here or online, it's their first message today. If it is... I still pray it blesses you, and I pray you catch up with the other messages online, but uh, it's going to tie things together from the whole book and really from the whole big book, the Bible itself. Revelation is connected uh, all the way back to Genesis, and may we be blessed today, as the book says, blessed are the ones who read aloud the words of this prophecy And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written. So let's pray and then hear the final chapter of the revelation given to the Apostle John. Oh Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You are the author and perfecter of our faith and our life. You alone should be rightly feared. You alone should be fully followed. You alone should our lives be founded upon, and and you, God, are the giver of this book, Revelation and the Bible. And God, we are praying for ears to hear today, for each other, that we would hear this final chapter, and that your Holy Spirit would help us tie things together, that, that it might encourage us, that it might embolden us to be your people. 
Lord, we pray that you would be glorified through this. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Final chapter of Revelation, that's Revelation 22, starting with the first verse. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb, and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to, this, to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all.
Amen. This is the word of the Lord, the the revealing, the vision given from Jesus to the Apostle John. And we have this vision in chapter 22 of the river flowing from the throne, the throne room of God, which we've heard so much about in the the book of Revelation. And the the metaphors have been numerous in this book or in this vision, right? And and here we have the the picture or the image of a river, right? A river. And there is rivers in the original garden back in Genesis, the Garden of Eden. there, There was water flowing. God had created water, and water was the source of life, and, and now we, we, we hear of this river flowing through this, this amazing city of God and from the throne of God himself, and Jesus declared in his ministry that he is the living water, right, that he is the water of life that, that we need, and whoever drinks of this water, he said, and he said it to a particularly spiritually dry and thirsty woman, a woman of Samaria, Uh, who came midday uh, to the well because of her shame. She didn't come when the other women came. And and Jesus told her, if you drink of this water, you'll never need to drink again. You'll never thirst again. He was talking about himself, right? And, And in his kingdom, in the future eternity, there will be no thirst. This is a picture that life will be abundant in the kingdom of God. That is true then, and he wants it true now, right? We're praying that the kingdom, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to be abundant life flowing from the the center, from from the heart of God. And he wants that life flowing in your life. Now, he doesn't want you spiritually dry and thirsty. He doesn't want you living in shame like the woman of Samaria before he changed her life. He wants you new and fresh with hope. Right? He wants living waters flowing down our main street and not because the water main broke, right? Uh, he, wants, he, wants, he wants communities transformed with this idea that there is a real God who loves us. He wants main streets filled with living water because one day his main street is going to be living water, essentially. So he wants it us to start telling that now. God wants living water in your life. He doesn't want you to be, you know, just tolerate uh, the brokenness in your marriage or in your family or in the world or in the community. He wants, he wants the best for you, is God's picture. He wants the absolute best for you. He did way back in the garden, and yeah, we screwed it up a bit, (laughs) but he never stopped wanting the best for us. He never stopped having living water flowing from his throne, and he actually became that living water as a human being, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, right? And one day, we'll get to see that river in person, but right now, we can, we can embody that by having Jesus Christ flowing up from us, as he says, as springs of, of water in our own souls now. And then he gives this image receives this image of the tree of life and its leaves, like this, this tree of life is growing and is on both sides of the river and this tree of life is, is connected back to Genesis as, as well. The, Adam and Eve had eaten fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they weren't supposed to eat of that tree and so then they were kept and humanity was kept from eating of the, the, the deep good fruit of the tree of life, right? You can't have the tree of life and, and have eternal life like, God, when you're broken, you, you're going to need to be repaired before you eat of that tree of life. 
But in eternity, the tree of life is going to be in full effect, right? It's producing fruit every season or every month. And even its leaves, you know, are used for the healing of the nations is the image. So no longer is the the fullest life forbidden because of our brokenness, brokenness in relationships, brokenness in in sin that we have done. God says, "I, I want you to have life and life abundant is what this image is. And that's what Jesus said in his ministry. He, in John 10.10, 10, he says, I came that you could have life or life to the full. Life, life abundant. Now, right now, we live in this earth where we, we, we've done some things that we weren't supposed to do, just like Adam and Eve, right? And so we listen to another voice, just like they did. They listened to the serpent. We listen to the one that Jesus came, or Jesus said, the one who came to seek, kill, and destroy. He tells us that his fruit will taste good, right? He tells us that his fruit, that that sin will taste good, but it doesn't, it's not good, right? Whether it's selfishness or gossip or, or, or lust or lying or power or control, whatever it is, there's one that came to seek, kill, and destroy the enemy. But in the end, we've been seeing in Revelation that this enemy is going to be totally overcome, Right? And, and, and there isn't going to be that one that seeks, kills, and destroys. Only the one who came to give life and give it to the full. And those broken things that you got involved in here on earth, that big disagreement that happened in your family for years and years, that bitterness that you hung on for too long, that stuff you looked at that you shouldn't have, that greed you harbored in your heart, or jealousy, whatever, there's going to be healing for all peoples. Healing for the nations, individuals and big groups of people too. All lives are going to matter to God. All lives always have mattered to God. And in, in the end, no one will hate another in this kingdom that we're seeing, right? All, you know, all brokenness will be healed. And you might say, how, you know, maybe you have a, a Christian in your life that there's a rift between you. There won't be a rift in that, in that day. There won't be a rift. His, his, his life will heal it. If that is true then, and he wants his kingdom to come here on earth now as we pray, as he taught us to pray, he is blessed when, when people of different sides and people allow the Holy Spirit to overcome our disagreements, when people of different borders or different parties or different battle lines, when they find their, their common humanity in Christ or when they find a common ground, I should say, in Christ, We can have the healing in Christ now, right? We can bridge gaps now. Then people won't curse others. Now we do, right? Whether it's on social media or under our breath, then there will be nothing accursed. Now there is. So let's start living like then, now. John had written one of the churches. Remember the seven messages of the seven churches early in the book, chapters two, chapters three? He he, he wrote uh, that one of them had the throne of Satan living in their town. And he wasn't like, you know, gossiping about him. He was just speaking the truth. It was actually an idol where they had a throne to to Zeus in in their town. And he's saying, you don't want to follow that, right? You don't want to let Satan, essentially, or evil sit on your community, Right? But here we see in the future city, in God's kingdom, the throne of God, God is going to sit in the city, so to speak. 
He's going to have center place, his throne, and there will be no rival. There won't be worship of idols, right? I, I, and it's a pretty crazy thing to think about, but do we think God is sitting on the throne of our communities right now? Or if we had to picture some spiritual force or entity sitting on a throne in our community, would it be the evil one? What about in your heart? Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? It's easy to say you're a Christian, but what, what, what do your works show? What are your ethics show? What are your decisions? What do, do you love people like God loved you? Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? One of John's messages to the churches is it's pretty easy when, when it's in your community to just let it come into your heart. Don't, because that day in the future, God will be unrivaled, sitting on his throne, undeniably in charge. And if that is true then, may that be true of your heart now. May he be on the throne of your heart now. Nothing will be hidden from God because there's, there's no more night there. There's no more night. There's no darkness. There's no need of lamp or sun. The, the reigning God will be our light. God had given this vision to Israel. We see this is a tying together of so many prophecies in the Old Testament where he said, you will be a light to the nations. You, you, you're going to be like a city on a hill. You're gonna, you, people are going to see my reality, God is saying, that God is real because you're going to reflect me, God said. He said that to his people, Israel, and he said that to the church. But one day, he will actually be the light. And all other lights, even the amazing sun and the amazing stars he's created, they will pale compared to the goodness of God. Perhaps the sun and the stars will be there in his new heavens and new earth, right? But we won't need them compared to the light of God himself. God will be more than enough, is the way of saying it. Is God more than enough for you now? He will be more than enough then. He, he, is, he is more than enough now for whatever you need. He has his light available to you now. Do you have some corner of darkness, some, some pain, some difficulty? He can shine light into your heart now. It's not just true for eternity. It is true for eternity. But everything that's true of God and his eternal kingdom is true of his nature now. And he would love to bring a little bit less night in your life here. Right? He can vanquish darkness. Some that I've known, they describe depression as, you know, and I'm not equating depression to sin in any way when I say this. It's just the reality of our broken world. Like, that depression, it, it seems like the world dims and gets darker. Or some people describe it as like the color has started to get sapped out of my life. And the good news is one day there will be no more depression at all, whatever its causes, spiritual, biochemical. One day there will be no more depression. And we have that God now who, who, who cares, who's compassionate to those who are going through deep and dark valleys, through difficult things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Yea, though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the same God who one day will vanquish all darkness. He will walk with you in your darkness now. He's there with you if you would just see him. Blessed is the one, this book keeps telling us. 
Blessed is the one who hears these things, who keeps these things. You know, these things are trustworthy and true. I find it funny every time Jesus or the Bible needs to say, these things are trustworthy and true. Why does the Bible or why does God need to say this? Because we're stupid sometimes. And we, we say, ah, not true for me, not true for our age. We know better. We say these things. I'm not calling you stupid. I'm not saying I know I'm stupid. Like, yeah, tell me. Tell me that I'm blessed when I get back to the basic things of your truth, God. These are trustworthy and true. You do care about our world. You do care about history. You, you, you are giving us these visions that, yeah, overwhelm us and are confusing, but they call us to the deeper, more true reality that sometimes when I'm just walking around in life, I just forget. I just forget that this is also a very spiritual world. How dense am I sometimes? But he, he comes back and says, don't worry, it's true and trustworthy. I'm still here. I'm the God who gave messages to prophets like Isaiah. I mean, some of the messages that we're hearing in Revelation, he gave some of these same exact visions to, to, to Isaiah. Go check out Isaiah 65, right? If you want to check that out. He, he's still the God who gives visions. Bless is the one who comes to God and says, God, will you give me a fresh new vision for my life? That's what we're going to try to do as a church this next month. Blessed is the one who listens to God, who believes God speaks, who believes God listens. Trustworthy and true are these words. God gives his word to us. He gave his angel to give a vision to John so that real people back then and throughout the ages could hear and believe and be encouraged to have trust, to, to have faith, to persevere in worship no matter how bad the world got, no matter who persecuted them, to keep sharing and witnessing of the invisible God who is all too real, right? More real than we can imagine. So this book was given for blessing. No matter what you've heard about Revelation before or whoever abused it in whatever church you've been at before maybe, what this book was given for is blessing. Blessing to encourage the church. Blessing that the church would deepen in faith. Blessing that the church would persevere during times of difficulty. Blessing. And I pray you've been blessed as you've heard it. This book was not given for confusion or controversy. This book was not given just to, to have, you know, <laughs> Gallons or not gallons, shelves, shelves of prediction publications, right? This book was given to point to Jesus and to encourage and embolden his people to simply keep the faith in him and to not give up, to not grow lukewarm, to remain in him. And blessed are we when we keep the true and trustworthy message of this book. Now, John says, Hey, guys. And this is amazing that he does this in the final chapter. He says, I'm John, and I'm someone who screws up. John's misstep. It happened a couple chapters ago. John, you don't have to bring it up. He was so excited by the vision and overwhelming, he fell down at the feet of an angel and started to worship him. The apostle John. 60 plus years of Christian experience maybe by this time. The Apostle John, who is on the island of Patmos, receiving this deep vision on the island of Patmos because he's ticked off the Roman governor so much and they think this 90-plus-year-old guy is a risk to their empire because of his faith and prayers and witness, so they put him on a rocky island. 
And this amazing John who walked with Jesus, who left his father in a fishing boat to follow Jesus, screwed up, made a mistake, fell down and started worshiping an angel. Isn't that cool that he shares that? Or is it just me that's like, oh, thank goodness. What can we learn from old John? Well, we all make missteps. I don't believe we reach perfection on this side of eternity. We're all works in progress. We can all even end up violating the first commandment, no other God but God. He fell down at the feet of something, someone that wasn't God. If we don't keep our focus on Christ, we can lose our head as Christians, right? Remember, Peter, Peter was able to walk on water when he kept his eyes on Christ. When he looked at the waves, he sank. And we look at the waves, we misstep. You know, some of us have misstepped in these last few years. I'll just be real honest. Some of you have been more discipled these last few years by a news network than you have Jesus Christ and his good news. You've spent way more time caring and listening to talking heads than the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You misstepped. Just admit it. Some people care more about their red and blueness than does the aroma of Christ come from your life. And if you're like, I don't even know what that means then you've misstepped. You should really care that others can really sense the aroma of Christ from your life. And if people are more likely to know who you're voting for or how rich you are or you care more about your car, if if those outward things, things that are passing away, that's what people know you about? Just admit like John, like, hey, I misstepped. Don't go, well, I can't start changing now. I'm 80 or I'm 70 or I'm 35. John was 90. And in the Bible, he's saying, during one of the most ecstatic things a human being ever experienced, I flubbed it. If John can do that, I submit that we can flub it. And I submit that we can still also have the same Holy Spirit that convicted him that caused him to be humbled and admit it. The church needs to do some admitting. I do too, right? Our world just tells us to care more about height than hope. Have you bought into that? I have. I need to care more about hope on a daily basis, so I'm spending time thinking about that. God, help me put out hype, care about hope. Admit it, like John did, confess it, receive his forgiveness, move towards doing the right thing. And don't seal up his word. Don't seal up the book, John says. Don't seal up the book. Tremble at his word. What does this mean? This doesn't mean that we can add books to the Bible or something like that. It means keep this message open. Keep it being shared. Don't keep the good news of Jesus to, him, to yourself. 
Don't keep the good news of Jesus in his gospels, the good news according to Jesus in Revelation a secret. Christians who, who stop reading or who stop taking in the good news, who stop uh, listening to it, who stop sharing it, this is, this is a, just opposite to what God wants for you. It's like somebody who just stops eating, right? It's not good for your body to just stop eating permanently. It leads to death. It's not good for you as a follower of Jesus to stop taking in the good news. This is living, it's breathing. It's also your defense. The, the sword of the spirit, the word is, is part, uh, part and parcel with that. The, the word is your sword, your defense, your protection. And the word says the time is near. It's always near in a sense. There's always things we need to to, to be prepared to face. There was things that they had to face with the Roman Empire way back then. And there's been things throughout the ages that Christians have had to face. And, and the time will be near when you, you will need the resources God provides. Right? So don't seal up the book. You're always, and, and some of us have learned this very personally, you're always only one breath away from going to eternity. God and his plan are that close, and we fool ourselves, that God and his plan are some far off place. They're right here, and he's wanting to break in right now. And you're one breath away from seeing how very real it is. But it's very real. And that's why I have to come every week and remember that, right? That his spirit is right here. His resources are right here. The scriptures say we have every spiritual blessing in Christ we turn to him, he's right there, the scriptures say. But, as this chapter reminds us, there are those who will instead choose to do evil. And their works will prove who they are. There were those, the scriptures say, Jesus even said in Matthew 7, who, to, who will claim him and, and have apparently good works, but actually at their heart, they weren't following him. And in the end, Revelation has told us, He's not going to be impressed by your church membership certificate. He's going to know. You cannot fake him out. So seek him, honestly. Want more of his wholeness and, yeah, his holiness. Seek him and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. This is real stuff. This life is not a joke. And, and, and he, he wants to give his kids good gifts. Being a Christian isn't just a ticket to heaven. You're in on the secrets of heaven in a sense, the open secrets. You know that God is real and he's sharing his good stuff. And so for a time, you're on loan from heaven to share with people about that God of eternity and his goodness. So don't seal it up. Don't keep it to yourself. Use this life to seek him, pursue him, have him overflowing out of your life so that others may taste and see that he is good, right? Because one day there will be a final accounting. There will be a final accounting, this book tells us. And he knows who's really changed and who hasn't. He knows who's really bowed down to him and who's really following their own way. He knows who really longs for the glory of Christ and who doesn't? And it says he will repay. He won't be mocked. He won't be unfair. So let's be real. Do we live for him? 
Do you live for him? He is the one. He is the one that can give us the white robes, that, that, that give us the, the, the righteous garments, the, the forgiveness, the new, the new beginning that we can actually be in eternity. Without Christ, we have no hope on our own, uh, on our own righteous deeds of getting there. But when we have that righteous covering of Christ, we need to do our stuff, not to earn heaven, but we need to wash our robes. So some of you have been a Christian for a while, but your robe is filthy. You've been letting stuff get on your robe. Maybe some people know about it. Maybe some people don't. But you've got to wash that and keep that clean. Do you take this sacredly, what you have been given in Jesus Christ? Wash your robes, it says. Take, Take this as a sacred gift, what God has done for you. He poured out his blood for you. His body was broken for you. How clean is your robe right now? At the base of it, it's white underneath because it's Jesus Christ. Sometimes we take his grace for granted and say, well, I've been saved, so what does it matter if I let this slide here or there? We don't take his word too seriously to obey or to, or to live in his goodness and his holiness and practice love and forgiveness and mercy and kindness. And we don't love our neighbors as he taught us to. Instead, we just become like the world around us, which is exactly what he warned five of the seven churches in, in the messages in Revelation. Be careful, you're becoming like the the world around you. To Laodicea, he said, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. What do I want to do? I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Be careful. He's saying to us, don't taste like the world. Taste like my mercy, kindness, goodness. Love your neighbors no matter what their politics, right? Love your neighbors no matter skin color. Love your neighbors no matter what they've done to you. practice righteousness, not in a holier-than-thou way, but in a, man, there's a God, and he's so amazing. And I want to honor him with my robe, so to speak, with how I live. Not, it's not a competition, or I'm a better than, or something like that. It's, my God is so good. And this life is no joke. That's what Revelation's been telling me. This life is very, very real. And we'll get one day how real it is. If you're not going to get it here, you will get it. Everybody will get it. Well, Jesus gives us some teaching about his people and his book in Revelation that's really important for us to consider. In verse 16, we see and remember again that this book is from Jesus and about Jesus. And way back when we started it, that's, that's one of the things God laid on my heart to share, that this book is from Jesus, about Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, right? And it's for the benefit of Jesus' people. This, this revelation is for his church, his body, who he also calls his bride that he loves deeply. It's for his local churches, as weird and wonky as we get sometimes. It's for us. It's for those first original seven, and it's for local churches throughout the ages. God works. This is amazingly, mysteriously true. But God works through little gatherings like ours, and big ones too, and some other places that get kind of big. And this is how he's done it in all corners of the world. And governments have tried to stop it. (laughs) We've kind of screwed it up at times. And isn't it amazing? If you know local churches, isn't it amazing that nothing can stop the local church movement of God? That amazes me because I've worked for... Anyway, okay. Uh, Because 
ultimately, it's not about us or pastors or personalities. It's because we're his bride. And he loves his people. And that you're part of that. He loves you deeply. And no matter what the challenges of the age, and yeah, we've got some, right? And I'm not going to spend time on because we've all had, all the churches of all the ages have had them. But he knows them. And he knows the temptations you face and that we face together. And the temptation to become like the temperature of the communities around us. But if we lean on him, we have nothing to fear. Right? And he can work through us and we can see lives changed. Be- why? Because he is our root and our future. He is the one, he says, I'm the root of David and I'm David's descendant. Did you catch that line? That's not a throwaway line. There's no throwaway lines in the Bible or in Revelation. He's the root. I'm before David. And just to remind you, I'm the God who came into the world through David's line. I'm the God who created all history and set up this story of Israel that led to David. But I also am the God who came into history. I'm the root, I'm the descendant, I'm the alpha and the omega, he's saying. I'm the bright and morning star. I'm the one who shines through history to say, this is a real story. I'm lighting the way in the darkness. So hear the invitation of our Lord who says, come. Hear him say to you, the bride, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here or online, hear this word today. And he's just saying, come to me. He created you on purpose, friends. Do you come to him and spend time with him? He loves you. He didn't come to just start a religion or just to punch tickets to heaven. He came for us. A deep, intense relationship with deep value and purpose and meaning. And there are so many who are thirsty, who don't know it who don't know their identity, who don't know their purpose, who don't know their worth, who don't know their, their, their future or their destiny. And here we are, if you're the people of God, the people of Christ, we have that living water. And who are we to keep it to ourselves? Do you know what that woman of Samaria did in John chapter four? Once she kind of connected the dots and realized, this guy knows everything about me and he's told me and he's the living water. Is he the Messiah? And what she did, she just ran to her village. Even though she was an ashamed woman and had multiple relationships in her past and men had discarded her and mistreated her, she ran into this village and, and announced, could this be the Messiah come to me? He knows everything about me. She did it. The living water just touched her dry soul. And she became an evangelist like that. (laughs) Not because of who she was, but because the one who created history and the one who came into history came into her, right? And her identity and her value and her worth changed. So if you're concerned about people and how they identify themselves or their worth and their value and how so many things are screwed up, there is an answer. One drop of his living water can make things come to life. 
can make people come to life. But in order to do that, we have to honor his story, his book. It's to be honored and not misused and not added to. His story, his story of love. It's not a, it's not a book to be used to win elections. It's not a prop. It's not a book to be mistreated. It's a book to be spiritually eaten and used as, as the guide for us as individuals, but as families and as communities that gather to worship him. This is not just information. This is God's spirit can work through this and transform us, lead us to Jesus this book is not God, but this book, Jesus teaches us, leads us to him, right? To tell us the story of the God who loves us, that created us, rescued us, though we are wandering in our own deserts, he, he redeems us. So let's, as the people of God, promise never to make this book into something it is not. This is what Revelation is saying at the end of it. And it's saying it not just, I believe, not just for the book of Revelation itself, but for the whole Bible. Let's not make this into something it is not. If you do, you're going to bring plagues upon the church. And if you haven't studied church history, I'll just tell you, it happens. Because people have made this into something it's not at times. And God won't tolerate that. So we need to, individually and as a group, keep this central and authoritative and life-giving so that we can share the story of life of the life-giving God who has living water flowing from his throne, the tree of life producing abundant life for all who will come to him. So he's coming soon. Coming soon, but you might wonder like me, soon? What do you mean? I looked up the word soon, it still means soon. He wants us to live as if he's coming to. He's always willing to come soon. Yes, he is going to come and make all things new one day. And the Father knows that day and that hour. But he's always also willing to come into our lives now and work in our lives. He's not saying, I will come when you figure out Revelation's codes and use it as a perfect prediction tool. He's also saying, and this is not a knock on whatever view you have of Revelation, but he's not saying, oh, I gave you this book, now just wait for the rapture. He's saying, live as if I'm coming soon, because I am. Right? Have urgency is another way of saying it. He is doing God's role. We don't do that role. And his role is to patiently wait for all to hear the good news that he has ordained for, for those to hear good news. And he is patiently waiting for all to hear good news. And in the meantime, he's urgently asking his people to take ground for the kingdom now in Palouse, in Garfield, in Potlatch, wherever. That will you live taking ground for the kingdom now as I am coming soon? Will you be bringing my kingdom to earth as it is in heaven now? So what if every person and every local church, every person who believes in him, lives and prays in this way that he is always willing to come soon, take another inch of this earth back, right? Well, let's close, as the book closes, with 
this hopeful vision that God wants for us. The hopeful vision that God wants for us is, I, I think, this last line, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, or I prefer the translation, all, because that's actually pretty accurate. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Again, not a throwaway line. Not a throwaway line. I see that as a hopeful vision. Maybe that should be our vision for our church or for all churches. Maybe it should be a prayer for all Christians that the grace of the Lord Jesus would be with all people. Isn't that a hopeful vision? What is grace? The free gifts of the Lord Jesus, the unearnable love that he pours out, the unearnable new relationship, forgiveness, purpose, meaning, destiny. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all, all had that? And it hasn't happened yet. And that's why as we end Revelation, it's just, it's really a beginning saying to the church, the grace of the Lord Jesus is to be with all. Can we imagine all God's people taken by this and taking this not just as a blessing that makes us feel good as the church, but what if we took this and said, yes, Lord, may more and more have your grace, know you, be taken by your heart. What if we were people that so longed to glorify him that we would gladly learn how to share even though we tremble a bit in sharing our faith in our culture? In our culture? What if more of us were living to share his free gifts as he has shared with us? All of the Palouse does not know that Jesus loves them and that he's coming again to bring his kids home one day. Who will tell them? God, we thank you for this journey. I pray that you by your spirit would bring to our minds, our hearts, our, our bodies uh, the truth of this book and that nothing would remain if it was untrue. I pray uh, that you have been glorified in this time and I pray that you would uh, build up your church. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.